I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman and a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Oh! Oh, hello! Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I am still your host, Justin Michael, and you are still listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Oceana, a beautiful cult just off the shores of stinky, corrupt Gotham City. Oceana, why risk your life in the city when you can die for the dreams of a Walt Disney-like madman? So as of today, we are officially halfway through the fundraiser, so thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody for donating, big or small, to Black Lives Matter and any of the other organizations striving to fight racial injustice that we're spotlighting on the podcast and during this fundraiser. Again, you can keep it up and donate at BTASpodcast.com slash donate. Remember, your donations are automatically tripled right now. Thank you... Jeff Trammell for uh, matching donations up to $200 for each organization along with myself. So uh, I'm not thanking myself, but I'm just explaining how your donations are tripled. Anyway, damn, it's real easy to help if you've got a few bucks to spare, especially if you donate through the podcast right now because your donations are tripled. And if you can't donate, please share this around. I'd love to hit our $200 matching limit for each organization. So again, go to btaspodcast.com donate and, you know, share it around. Today's charity, Southern Poverty Law Center. So the Southern Poverty Law Center is somewhere that I have donated to in the past, and I really love them, and I'm happy to spotlight them again here. The SPLC is dedicated to fighting hate and bigotry and to seeking justice for the most vulnerable members of our society. Using litigation, education, and other forms of advocacy, the SPLC works toward the day when the ideals of equal justice and equal opportunity will be a reality. They're a great organization led by a strong team of civil rights lawyers and program staffers committed to ensuring justice and equality for all. And if you visit their site, they've actually got a comprehensive, if not a little terrifying, hate map which tracks the locations of hate groups in the country and shows their growth and decline over the last 20 years. It's super interesting. It's a very helpful visual tool and a reminder that we need to stay vigilant about all of this. And the SPLC folks are on top of it and looking to eliminate the power of these groups. So please donate to them today. Today's episode, Deep Freeze. Mr. Freeze is sprung from Arkham by aging billionaire Grant Walker, who is looking to freeze the world and recreate it according to his own design. Batman and Robin infiltrate the billionaire's underwater city and combat both high-tech robots and Mr. Freeze himself, who has decided to do Walker's bidding and cover the Earth in a new ice age. Original air date, November 26th, 1994. This was the third season finale of Batman the Animated Series. Story by Paul Dini and Bruce Timm. Teleplay by Paul Dini. Directed by Kevin Altieri, music composed by Shirley Walker with animation by Dong Yang Animation.
starring Kevin Conroy as Batman, Lauren Lester as Robin, Michael Ansara as Mr. Freeze, Pat Fraley as Batmite, who we actually had on the podcast a few episodes back, if you want to check it out. It's The Last Laugh, with Daniel O'Hurlihy as Grant Walker, who does such a good job. He doesn't get enough praise for this episode. Damn, what a good character. Wish he came back. Oh, also, William Sanderson as Carl Rossum, who I also love. Today's guests, Jason Sheridan and Mike Carlson. Mike and Jason are longtime comedy buddies and two-thirds of the very excellent theme park podcast, Podcast the Ride. Mike's been on our show before, talking about the Batman episode trial, but this is Jason's first time on, so please be nice and enjoy our deep dive into one of the very best episodes of the series, along with a deep dive into the DC Direct Action figure line and our imagined version of what a Batman the Animated Series ride would look like. Guys, uh, this one's a fun one. It is insane. It's a wild ride. Okay, without further ado, let's get to that interview. All right, welcome to another Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm sitting down with friend of the show mike carlson who's been on before i have been on hello thank you for having me yet again this time via satellite yeah the the best way to interact with human beings yeah of course and jason sheridan new to the show but not new to being emailed about the show originally sure <laughs> uh thanks for doing it dudes oh thanks for having uh, us I guess uh, before we dive into the episode, I kind of wanted to kick off with Jason. What What's your background with Batman the Animated Series, like the DC animated stuff? Did you watch it growing up? Oh, yeah, 100%. I was all in on this show, like right from the beginning. Like, I think I started... When did the first season start airing? Was it 90... 92? 92? Yeah, so... I believe so. I remember being in second grade and like this and the X-Men cartoon, both both starting around the same time. Does that line up timeline wise? They aired at the same time. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know. I I was just all in on on both of these things. And I love the Batman animated show. Um, and I got, you know, some of the toys. I never had a million toys of this, but I definitely... I was all in on X-Men, especially, but uh, I love this show, and re-watching an episode, I was very, like, you know, impressed at the craftsmanship, and also, like, they really didn't talk down to kids. Like, there's some grim stuff in this episode that I was like, oh, wow, that's heavy. Yeah. It's, uh, it... Held up. I feel like this this one is one of my faves. Uh, Deep Freeze. So, I mean, I picked it because for the, like, you know, three people listening who don't know, you guys have a podcast about theme parks called Podcast the Ride. And this is a very uh, theme park adjacent episode to Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this is like... This they may as well have just called everything Epcot Center and called the main villain Walt Disney. I mean, it's so it's on the nose. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they were, they were going hard. Even in like um, the uh, what's the guy's name again? Is it Grant Walker? Grant Walker. Yeah, even yeah. just <laughs> just his mannerisms and his big suits. Like, I mean, that was kind of the the style in the show. But it's like, well. 
A lot of pictures of Disney with that kind of gray hair and those big suits. And yeah, so the, the villain is a very Walt Disney type uh, named Grant Walker. And I assume the Walker is in reference to E. Card Walker, who was a CEO of Disney. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, he, he oversaw. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he was the one who would have opened uh, Epcot. Like, he was heavily involved with the company. Retired, I think, in oh, the wow. later 70s, but was was in charge of a lot you know, after Walt's death in the years after we right. oversaw a lot of openings and stuff. And I believe, did we say on our podcast that E. Card Walker was hot or was he not as hot as some of the other CEOs? I think he kind of has <laughs> like a, he might be, there, there's a, I think there's like a hunky, a chiseled, like a Brolin kind <laughs> of chiseled in this around I him. think we said, I think we said Ron Miller could get it. And you, I think, specifically said E. Card Walker could get it, Jason. I think yeah. he's more your type of. I think uh, he's more my type. There's a lot. I think there's some funny quotes from him. He was like, he was like a cowboy guy. He was like a Texas guy. Um, right. I didn't know that, that. I didn't even know that that was that much of a deep cut reference to <laughs> Disney. I have to. But, I have to assume that's what it was. But I mean, knows? that checks out. It feels like everything else is so blatantly about Disney and Epcot and. Mm -hmm everything around it from like visual design to you know the specifics um well and this is i looked up because i was like when did this episode this episode aired in 1994 and i was like now wait a minute when was the port disney project this was disney's attempt to build a that disney sea yeah that like is the 1.0 in like long beach yeah it, it, disney bought the queen mary and they were going to build a like hotels and a park around it and that was called Disney Sea, which was eventually built in Japan. But um Disney Sea was like like this like Oceana in the show was uh, you know meant to be a seaside uh park and it had a centerpiece called Oceana, which was a series of complex bubbles with a two-story quote oceanarium depicting the evolution of the sea. So I have to think the animators like because that was all presented to the public in the summer of 1990 i have to think warner brothers animation up the highway mm -hmm. like those those guys all those dorks <laughs> would have been would have known about this seaside disney mega project yeah this seemed like it, i definitely were watching and i go oh there's an above average knowledge at play here as far as like theme park references and things. I definitely felt like that. So that would make sense if they were a little bit aware of Port Disney and all the things surrounding it. Yeah, yeah I think Paul Dini, who wrote the episode, is a Disneyland fan, at least from casual mm -hmm. casual Twitter viewing. <laughs> sure. This this one I'm watching, and I'm watching this, and I found this lately when I'm watching an old Batman the Animated Series. Uh, I'm always like, ah, too short. This is a concept that needs 90 minutes or an hour, at least an hour. I always, I like, that's my, that's my feeling lately when I've watched any of the old episodes. It's like, man, this is a premise. This is a rich, we could get a lot out of this. And then 22 minutes and it feels like you, like, it feels too fast. Every time I watch these, they feel too fast. I was I know, shocked. I want more. Yeah, it was 21 minutes or so. And it's very efficient. I mean, they pack a lot in. 
But that I watched the first episode of the like Harley Quinn does cusses show, and that is like twenty three twenty. They they get an extra few minutes to say the f word a lot. <laughs> they do say that f word a lot. I watched it, it too. <laughs> but it's I very it. I liked it's it. Not, would, yeah, I I liked it. I was Jason. Surprised. Jason. Sometimes it feels good to be bad. Yeah, it's kind of having fun. You know, <laughs> I've yet to see it. I I mean, it was a. I, it's funny because they can say there's like certain ways they're allowed to be dirty, but not like in other like it's it's never like a sexual thing. It's no. always just like saying the F word or the S word. I don't want to swear her here. I, I want to be uh, grosser. Yeah, 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 please be very polite. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm choking and the thought of swearing. It's horrifically bloody to watch it back to back with this. It was like, oh, well, this is a change. Yeah, I am curious. It feels like a show that's at least marketing itself as like, isn't it cool that we can have blood and cursing? Which, if it serves the story, cool. Uh, but I, I guess I don't... I'm kind of frustrated with like adult animation that's branded as adult only because of that and not because of like, mm. I don't know, deeper, more enriching storytelling or like more adult stories. But, Maturity. Uh, yeah, there we go. Well, and that's... That's that's just the big um, arrested development of comic books of like still lingering the vertigo uh, legacy of just like, you know, a lot of cursing and gratuitous violence. But like, well, it doesn't necessarily mean it's adult. It's just gratuitous. Well, this one, this deep freeze episode uh, is, is like a well, Mr. Freeze as a character is like a pretty big fan favorite you know i'm sure you guys know and i, I mean i know mike and i both <laughs> collect these action figures of from every damn company uh yeah there there's too much merchandise at this point there's a whole i mean i'm sure i've explained it on our podcast there's uh, all these different companies that have sprung up some some have been around for a while but they everybody can get any license it seems so there's just a cornucopia of merchandise marketed to the same nerd kids who were born in the 80s or before and they're just trying to resell our childhood to us over and over again and it's batman it's ninja turtles and we take the bait every gosh darn time Hmm. oh it's batman the animated series batman but he's a little bigger than the other figure i have sign me up is oh it's mr freeze and he comes with his dead wife's gravestone <laughs> inside me up i'll pay yeah. an extra 30 dollars to get the deluxe mr freeze toy so he can mourn his wife that's with what a I broken did. mask and uh simulated you know whatever frost coming out because it yes. was recently smashed i paid an extra 30 dollars for the smashed glass and a headstone yep what do you do with those extra heads because i got that mondo mr freeze and they're just kind of sitting out in front of him well, here's what I do. Here's what I've actually done. So what happens is I have a lot of toys already. As you can see, a lot of them are out of the box. I have what is uh, called now a toy closet where I have put anything that's not the, the Ninja Turtles because Ninja Turtles is my favorite thing ever. So I open all that stuff. Anything I've bought in the last year or two because I haven't had like a job in a while other than doing the podcast, I put and I leave in the box in the toy closet. And that includes that includes my NECA Catwoman from Batman Returns. And I have two NECA penguins, Mayor Penguin and the Underwear Penguin with the fur uh-huh. coat. 
yeah that stuff is all in there (laughs) that stuff is all in there and a handful of other things are in there too and that's all emergency if i run out of money i'm selling all that stuff because i still i still want to buy toys but i also want to be responsible (laughs) so if something happens and i need money i can sell all that it's still in the box and that's where it is so i don't know what i'm going to do with the heads yet for mondo mr freeze he's still in there the box is lovely it's that mondo artwork um but so yeah so i when i open it i will ask you what you've been doing with your heads i mean yeah they're sitting in front they're they're displayed but yeah uh, I mean, I remember for me, Mr. Freeze was the first villain that I really connected to on this series as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know what it was. The tragedy of that character it feels like a weird thing to like as a child. But like I the villains I remember were very hard to find in the initial Batman animated like Kenner run. Mm-hmm. And the first figure that I got, the first villain that I got was Mr. Freeze. But I remember my mom tracked it down and it was loose. So it like came with everything but the little icicle that he can shoot out uh, if you squeeze the back, you know, of his little ice pack. And so, right, I, I was so happy to have it, but also I was like, oh, I have, I have the shitty version of it. I'm looking it up. I'm gonna look it up because I can't, I don't think I had him. Ooh, he's cool. I had an Pun earlier Mister Freeze. I had an earlier Mr. Freeze, funny enough, and I forget which line that was. Is it superpowers or not? What, it might like have been like a or yeah, color changing. Maybe he had some armor. Yes, it was a yes. It was superpowers. Here he is. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, yeah. It was this. I don't know if you can see this. It was this. I yep, think that's uh huh. Yeah, that was the thing. Is Mr. Freeze it was his costume was totally redesigned for this animated show. And like that then fit back into the comics where they made the costumes look more like the animated show because the design was so good on the cartoon. Well, it's a Mike Mignola design. I know he was brought in just for some design work. uh, And I don't think he did a ton, but Mr. Freeze is very much a a Mignola take on the character. Very like atomic looking. Yeah. He loves heads and jars. (laughs) <laughs> sure um yeah i i loved mr freeze uh i think the suit even the old 60s batman there were three actors who played him but i love those mr freeze episodes i also just like the power of freezing like Iceman and mr freeze i enjoy i don't know why shooting a thing that makes something freeze is just very aesthetic it's like aesthetically pleasing to me as well other than just I enjoy, I think it's cool. I don't know. There's just something visually that I love about that, which I think made me like Mr. Freeze a lot. I'm in the same boat. I feel like even when I'm playing like a Zelda game and there are ice arrows or something, I'm like so yes. excited about them, even though they're maybe not that helpful. <laughs> yes. If, yeah. I, if, if I, I, I had to decide if I was a fire or an ice kid, I was an ice kid. Yep. Ice kid all the way. Jason, were you an ice kid or a fire kid? I think think so i always liked like firing i mean i like the free i agree with you guys like freezing games was good but i was also very fond of castlevania when you would just throw the uh holy water and it would just explode in fire on the bad guys Mm. so sure 
I didn't hate fire. I'm just saying if I had to choose, I was an ice kid. Yeah. Very aesthetically yeah. pleasing in terms of illustration. Mm -hmm. Where, like, mm -hmm. if you go back and forth, if it's more ice or crystal or, like, the 60s Iceman where he's just, like, snow fluff. Yeah. He was, like, snowman. Yeah. Um, I also, yeah, Mr. Freeze on this and the show, too, is just, and I don't think he says it, but I've just been obsessed with the way he says Nora <laughs> ever since that hap that started. And I don't think he says Nora in this episode. I may have missed it, though. Oh, he does. Yeah, he for sure does. Nora. Yeah. Yeah, because when my... Nora's revealed, he's like, Nora. Oh, yeah, you're right. He does. I missed that Or maybe that part. we're going to say he says, my wife. <laughs> he says, my wife a lot. Not in the Borat way, but he says, my wife a lot. And I think I must have missed. I was playing it on my computer. I should have played it on the TV. I mean, I'm also, I, I'm not 100% sure. I just assume he says Nora at least once per Freeze episode. But uh... I could have missed. Anyway, I'm sure people listening now are going to be mad at me. Say so I didn't listen, didn't actually watch the episode or something. But I did. Um, so anyway, Nora, Nora, Nora. Yeah, Michael and Sarah, uh, or Ansara, the guy who voices Mister Freeze or voiced him. Uh, so good. I feel like that is again like the freeze in my head that I want mm -hmm. at least. Not you know versus a Schwarzenegger freeze, which was such a fucking letdown after this as a kid, mm -hmm. <laughs> being so excited to see your favorite villain show up in the movie, and. Sort of pulling from the animated series for Batman and Robin, but then <laughs> just completely making him a goof. There was, um, I remember there were those rumors of like Patrick Stewart for Mr. Freeze. Yes. Oh, wow. Which make, would, would have made a lot of sense. Would have been perfect. Um, but they went a different way. I, I mean, I honestly, I will say like, there's no, there's no bad Batman movie. Even the bad ones are good. So I still enjoy, I love the costume. I love the Schwarzenegger costume. Uh, and I can appreciate the performance now for what it is. But yes, it's not, it lacks a little nuance. It lacks a uh, rich character. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, I think this character in this series was like the first one people really were like, oh, you can take a C-list villain and make them emotionally interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that they followed up Heart of Ice, that first episode, with an evil Walt Disney character joining the fray, I think is, I think as a kid who loved theme parks, it was like a perfect fusion of everything I wanted when it aired. Because mm -hmm. it also sure. has, it's got robots, it's got a little Batmite in it, uh, you know, you kind of yes. get everything. You get a cult. <laughs> yeah, I yes. was so it's... excited to see the little Batmite. Yeah, I forgot the Batmite was in there. Um, which they, yeah, they he's a little robot. He's not actually Batmite. Um, people have used, a lot of different people have used Batmite in fun ways over the years since he, I mean, he, when did he first appear? Is it 70s or 60s? I don't know. Around then, I think. It feels like a 60s thing to me or, or 70s. Yeah, it's not. And he, he really was, he was a great gazooish character in a way. Yeah. I guess, and I mean, that he was just small and he flew. But he was definitely like a little comic relief character. Well, but... Yeah, go did ahead. Did he, he and Mixie Pitalik, or you know, however you pronounce his name, Mixie's Pitalik. I can never uh, do that. Yeah, it's, I know that the Gilbert Godfrey teaches you how to pronounce it in a Superman episode, which is like Mixie's mm -hmm. Pitalik. Yeah, uh, but... which is a great, I mean, I love when that episode aired, when the Superman episode aired with Gilbert Godfrey doing Mr. Mixie's Pitalik. Um, 
another very, very different costume design. Like, a much more pleasing costume design in the animated series as opposed to, like, the bright orange onesie he wears in the comics. Like, uh... Oh, I like both. I like both. I'm into it. I'm, I'm into this weird little man version of him, too. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, and I apparently Batmite, by the way, looking it up, 1959. Detective wow, Comics number 267. Yeah, earlier than I expected. And Mixie does appear as a little cameo in this episode in the, in like that pile of toys at Carl Rossum's place. Uh, it's like in the background is that, and like, looks like streaky, the super cat, you know, like it, it looks like all of the goofy sort of characters that at the time felt like they weren't grounded enough to put into the DC animated universe before they went whole hog. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like with justice league was Rossum right. in an earlier episode too. Yeah. So he actually appears in this like two-parter heart of steel which is basically just an evil robot uh kind of story and he is uh he's the guy who's unwittingly sort of helping to create them and i think he maybe shows up one other time um but uh he's voiced by william sanderson who's basically just reprising his role from blade runner Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a very familiar voice, and now that you say that, like I can picture it. Um, that was another thing about this show; it respected it. Like, wasn't it wasn't glued to its own continuity, but it like would acknowledge events of other episodes, but you didn't need to know it. But they reference in this, like, oh, we thought we thought Nora, you know, died finally in the fire, but like he was able to recover her. He always recovered her. Yeah, she's always getting yeah. recovered. It's fucked. Yeah. It's it's messed up that like, uh, uh, this eccentric tycoon recovered a dead man's wife in a tube and is using it as blackmail. That's pretty messed up. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you could you could look at it that way. Looks a little a little much, a little much. I'm on mm. the side of Grant Walker here. Sorry, guys. Okay, <laughs> well, it's important to have balance in broadcasting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, if you guys, if you're interested, Mike, if you wanted more, uh, I don't know if you ever read the animated comics, but there was one run, I think Batman Gotham Adventures was one of the many iterations of it. And they have essentially a follow up to this episode with more like Grant Walker comes back in his free suit and it sort of ties into the Sub-Zero movie also, which was a a Mr. Freeze themed animated like direct to video at the time there was not a grant walker figure was there no i would be so excited for a grant walker (laughs) figure like that's how stupid i am Uh, i love that i want all of the obscure stupid characters they i got so excited the other day because the i I, the guy who designs the ninja turtles said that as long as costs it's as long as it makes sense cost wise the krang android body will come with a towel and a soap on the rope soap on a rope which he had in one of the cartoon episodes and i almost fell out of my chair i was so excited at the idea of putting a little towel around my android crank <laughs> so i hear what you're saying i mean yeah i love these like uh unnecessary episode specific props essentially that are coming with these characters because like even these dc collectibles or direct figures that they made from the animated series have way more things than you can even display or that they can even hold. I but have, right. I have, Oh, it's over. I can't reach it from here. 
I have a little like sewing kit plastic thing that I have all the thing the accessories that have come with these Batman <laughs> animated series toys. Did you buy Did that? Show... Did you bought hold on, like I'll a show tackle I'll box? Sh- yeah, hold on. Let me I'll grab it. We uh, might have the same exact setup. I have two boxes, one for the animated series, one for the new Batman <laughs> Adventures. Yeah, I have this. Oh my uh-huh. god. And it's got my turtle stuff in there too. But it's just well, because what are you supposed to do otherwise? It's full, yes. of ha- it's full of hands and accessories and capes. And like, here's my, here's like some, I have like Raphael ultra, like hands, other hands for Raphael, other hands for Shredder. And then I have like, who, I don't even remember which Batman animated series has a, like a it's Killer ch- Croc turkey. from the new Batman Adventures comes with a turkey. Catwoman's cat. Oh no, that's uh, that's uh, Clary and the Witch Boys cat, my friend. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, humiliating, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, then this fist is that uh, who's Etrigan big fist is like. that? Etrigan, yeah. Oh, this is a great game. I wish people could uh, we could play again. This is really good. Let's see. Let's play one more. Let's play one more. Uh, Jason, I want you to guess too. Sure. First on this one. Who's who's uh like. Periscope is there? Not no. Uh, like, what do you call this? Is that a baton? Like a tel- a little mini eyeglass telescope? telescope? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What, who do you think it goes to, Jason? I know. Is it? I would guess it's some sort of explorer pirate character. I don't know who is it, Justin. It's famed explorer the Joker. Uh, <laughs> I believe it comes from like the last laugh episode. He uses it. Oh, uh, sure. Which is like. A pretty uh, nothing you would ever know because it's like not even a good Joker episode. It's <laughs> like before it was like he gets a trash barge and he has a robot clown following him <laughs> named Captain Clown. Who's whose ice pick is this? That's also from the Joker's uh, last laugh. Wow. Episode. I may have to when I like start to reorganize this. I may have just have to text you a lot of photos because I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, there's more space in my these... brain for this than important things. Here's another Batman cape. I think this is Robin's cape. Is that right? Anyway, yeah. this is boring. Yeah, for the it's good for I'll the it's good down. for the listeners, the audio. <laughs> now, I know this Joker is Joker. Also. That's Joker. It's that bubble helmet from the Last Laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, an episode. I don't think people were itching to have accessories from. I think we eventually we got like a laughing fish and stuff, which is more fun. Yes, uh, but, but I, I, do I love, love a bubble helmet. I love a bubble helmet, whether it's a bad episode or not. Yeah. True. Um, well, so. which is why I loved Mr. Freeze too. I feel like him just having a bubble helmet <laughs> as a kid was very satisfying. Yeah, I think as a kid that is like some sort of weird fantasy of like, wouldn't it be great if I had a like a helmet, a clear helmet that covered my whole face? Like, I think space or underwater, that's all part of that. Just like it's cool, like space suits. It's cool seeing people like dive. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know why that is seemingly a kid thing. Jason, did you like where you pro bubble helmet? I loved a bubble helmet. Yeah, for sure. Especially like the ones that would just appear and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, probably part of the appeal of Freeze. Grant Walker, of course, gets a bubble helmet. He gets a little, he gets Thank a God. dorkier looking uh, Freeze suit. Like looks a little mm-hmm. closer to some of the dorkier comic Mr. Freeze outfits. Um. Yeah, and then Robin and Batman, they have their, like, 
that was the thing I think I thought as a kid. Like, well, if you go underwater, you just pull out your little helmet for when you have underwater. Mm-hmm. You pull out your little breathing mask because Batman and Robin just always have an unconnected breathing mask in case, in this case, their uh, plane blows up underwater, as it does sometimes. Right. Uh-huh, when it's attacked by a torpedo shaped like a shark, which I feel like is uh, a fun little like, yeah, this guy's a theme park guy. Of course, he's decorating his torpedoes. It's like yeah, a weird theming. justification. Yeah, He's, I was gonna say imagineering. I was gonna say imagineering, but they they make they use the term visioneering. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Before Which, the Zach nice Galifianakis little... movie, visioneers ever came out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I forgot about that movie, and I've seen that movie. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know many people who did. So, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um. Well, the episode in general kind of kicks off with Mr. Freeze being broken out of jail uh, by what looks like a very fleishery, like, robot. Mm -hmm. Uh, The design is, like, very 40s to me. Yeah, and he crams Mr. Freeze inside his chest. Yeah. Which is funny. And I remember as a kid, I was like, what's going on? Like, Mr. Freeze looks surprised. This is, well, this is unusual. This is weird. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what Batman says. You can't can't fake the the uh, fright that's on his face yeah robin robin foolishly foolishly thought this was freeze's plan they i think they hated robin on this show or at least this iteration of batman i feel like there's a lot of talk of like being forced to put him in there and Mm -hmm. there are some good episodes for sure but uh yeah a lot of the time it's just batman telling him he's wrong I was (laughs) i was a big robin kid i like this robin i like that he had um pants uh i was a big tim drake robin kid and this guy's this robin's outfit is is pretty similar um probably because once i started going to comic book stores there was so many robin mini series and ongoing series you could always find them in the quarter bins but like i thought tim drake robin was cool yeah i like i mean i like all all the robins are good i guess jason todd is a pain in the ass but still yeah he went through a lot he went through. Whew. I had a, an isolated issue of death in the family. Like I got it in like a you know five issues like packaged together at Toys R Us. You know I think it was like a Rogue one shot with like a shiny foil cover, which I was like, this is cool. I love Rogue. And then I got one issue of a death in the family, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is uh, you know a sad, brutal series. Brutal series uh, where I believe the Joker becomes the UN ambassador. For- from Iran, is that correct? I've only read the one issue, so I, you know, it's still to this day I don't really know what happens. I I got the summaries. collection that might have been one of the first collections I ever got, like in middle school, and uh, it was very upset. It's an upsetting storyline. <laughs> it's very unnerving in many ways. And then the audience voted. Yes. To make it more upsetting. Yeah, the mm-hmm. audience voted and said, "Kill that, kill that MF, get his ass, kill him, kill, kill that child, kill that child." You know they were gonna do it either way. I feel like <laughs> they were just egging an audience on into what they knew they wanted. I mean, I think they assumed, yeah, that that audience would vote. Can you imagine now if that was that would get such bad press? Oh my God! Yeah. 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 I mean, it's crazy. I some of the like when they they now I feel like every time there's an event, someone's going to die, maybe only for a few months or stuff. But even like 
when Marvel did that Civil War series and they killed off Giant Man, like they killed off a bunch of characters, most of the new warriors, Giant Man, like the even even just a few years ago when that happened, it was unsettling. Yeah, sure, but they didn't. You didn't call an eight hundred number. No, you you did not <laughs> kill an eight hundred number and say mm -hmm. like take out Night Thrasher, take out Firestar. <laughs> Hit hit your hit your touch touch pad number two if you want to kill Giant Man. Hit three if you want to kill North Star. I don't know. <laughs> North Star was Alpha Flight. Yeah, it's all um, beyond me. I have I have such like limited pockets of knowledge. Uh, this you want to go back to the, the game models. where I quiz you on. <laughs> Accessories? You know, as much as I'm sure the audience enjoys that, I might take a break from it. I mean, all I right, would, that's fine. Maybe we'll end with a few. Um, okay. But uh, you know, so going through the episode from here, we kind of are trying to track down where Mister Freeze went to. He so they go to Carl Rossum, I think, at this point. You know, and, mm -hmm. and interview him about his his sweet little robots. <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, oh, yeah, what's this guy's name? Who does his voice? William Sanderson. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, he uh, he kind of sounds like a subdued version of the alien from American Dad when I try to do an impression of him. <laughs> oh, Roger, we're watching, yeah. We're watching Deadwood. I had never seen it. Lindsay's seen it, but my girlfriend, Lindsay, uh, and he's on Deadwood. He's oh, like yeah, he's great. The number two. And he's also from Newhart. The Bob Newhart show, Newhart. Newhart. He's one of the three like local guys daryl well there's a joke he'd always say this is my other brother daryl interesting who is he deadwood. on deadwood uh, is he the inn I'm, owner the hotel like i think he's a he's real like, slimy like oh the, the kind weaselly of hotel owner yes yeah he's like al's kind of number two guy in a way farnham yeah yes that's um, who it is uh yeah he's amazing on that show he's great uh, mm -hmm. I remember he, cause when I interned over at like Tim and Eric, uh, while they were filming awesome show, they had him on as a guest. And I remember being so excited because I knew him as this character from Batman, the animated series. Of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> over like, you know, there were a lot of like fun comedy people who came through, but I was like, Oh, Carl Rossum, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I also, I got it wrong. His name, character's name was Larry on Newhart. And he would say, hi, I'm Larry. This is my brother, Daryl. And this is my other brother, Daryl. So his brothers were named Daryl. He was Larry. I apologize to Mr. Sanders. Oh, and he does listen. He actually is the only person still supporting the Patreon. Um, <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, uh, he's been donating ever since the beginning. Uh but we get to meet him. We get to see Batmite and all that sort of stuff. But then we get into all this like weird Epcot evil Epcot stuff. Uh, and I guess I feel like you guys would be best to share what feels like uh, the, the history of Epcot that they're pulling from, because I, I think it's like a fun. Well, parallel. if you ever watch, I mean, I would, I would say you got to go back and watch the big special Walt did on Walt Disney did on TV when he was announcing Epcot and what it was, because it was truly a city of the future. Like when he died, I think everybody went, we can't do this. Like, I, don't, I would be interesting to see if he had lived, if they would actually have made this weird utopia that he was envisioning, because that's what he was trying to do. The big thing that he was excited about with Florida was having all that land 
And he was like happy with Walt Disney World, but it was like doing the same thing basically again. He was really excited about like solving transportation problems and solve it like thinking of like a better way for cities to be structured. Uh, and if you watch the special, it is both interesting and crazy because you're like, this is a guy who makes like a Pinocchio. Like he makes a movie, he makes movies and rides and now he's going to design a future city and he's going to make us all live that way. And like, he's saying stuff like, we'll have climate controlled environments. Like he's got the grandest, craziest plans, which again, like it's possible, like if he had lived, he would have like forced them to do this and it might've made a difference in like the way cities are made. But you could also see the other side of it and go, this guy's out of his friggin' mind. Yeah, he also had very, if you really dig into the nitty gritty, which I, I have heard people smarter than I have, um, like the plans called for like, yeah, we're going to build this city. There'll be a park. There'll be a Disneyland style park. But then we're going to, uh, other part of the property, will build this experimental city. People r will rotate in and out of living there. You won't live there permanently. And um, the the in terms of like who would have local control was very like in his favor. Like no, like the people wouldn't be able to subvert his like voting majority or whatever it, <laughs> in the way that like technically the, the disney world the florida property is administered by like the reedy creek improvement society or whatever its official name is and there is a small number of people who technically live and have a you know council there's like a small development on property and that's not even the million dollar Golden Oaks homes. There is a very small voting body that rotates every now and then for posterity's sake. But that on a grand scale would have happened in in Epcot, the experimental city. Yeah, it's the whole thing is wild. Go go to YouTube and watch the he doesn't get into that necessarily on that special about like who would govern it, but it's 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 crazy it's very ambitious and it's like it's full of good ideas yeah i mean a lot of like the post-war america was filled with different companies doing like optimistic like i saw some sort of like prospectus or something recently where it was like here's um a general motors r&d like pitch about a a cars that would float on air like they they wouldn't have tires they would, they would there would be like <laughs> a a railway almost but with like air in the way that maglev trains now like hover off the ground mm -hmm. he's got in the epcot proposal he has basically like the city itself like the downtown of the city is in the center and then everybody kind of lives on the outskirts and you get into the city like it cuts way down on car travel you can drive the car kind of around the perimeter and maybe a little a few places in but most people would get to the city by using people a people mover. Wow. Which you're like, well, that'd be awesome. I mean, it's fun to take this insane idea and make it full megalomania in a, in a super mm -hmm. villainy way. Because uh, it feels like it's just two steps away from that already. I mean, it's like some of it I'm sure would be good, but also it's like, this isn't a guy who cared about people all the time, famously anti-union. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, if he had said like, "In this, we're gonna build this, 
and then we'll turn it over to like these other people and they're going to run it and it's an elected democratically elected board like if all of that stuff was happening but he was still probably like i'm the king of this city <laughs> yeah yes uh... Yeah, there's some criticism, I feel like, in this episode. Batman says the line, I wrote it down, men like Walker are obsessed with getting their own way, and they don't let little things like the law stop them. Like, I think that is that is a fair assessment of Walt Disney. <laughs> like, that's a decent criticism. And then moments before this, uh, the Walker character is saying, like, welcome to my experimental city. Like, he stops just short of saying the full Epcot, like, what the yeah. acronym stands for. I'll also say this, though. Isn't Batman talking about himself, too? Well, hey, you know, let's, we're certainly thinking about honest. that. You know, we're, we're, we're <laughs> talking about that nowadays, sure. Yeah. So, makes yes. You think. It makes you think. This, yeah. yeah, you know, two men <laughs> who could be doing a lot better stuff with their money. <laughs> yeah. That's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I did like that uh, we get to see this, like, weird version of Epcot, uh, Gotham Epcot, uh, because I'm like, when was this built? Like, uh, the fact that, like, this just exists outside of Gotham is, like, uh, sure, why not? But it feels like it deserves its own movie because it's it's, like, its own separate entity that yes, nobody yes. noticed it's that's what i that's why i was saying i was like give me 90 minutes it's i mean i love very, the simplicity of it yeah i mean you can kind of tell like what the animators like are into because it's very like metropolisy or like brazil feeling um everyone's got like uh what's the movie logan's run everyone's kind of got suit uniforms on the citizens of oceana mm-hmm yeah, and I love um, I love all of those uh, the designs of uh, of the actual building itself. It felt like very Art Deco, like uh, like aquatic, like what you might see on Catalina, uh, that like mm. casino around there. It kind of reminded me of that. Like it, it's all such like beautiful, fun design. Um, wish yeah, we I wanted to, I wanted to live there. Yeah, I wanted to live there for a little while. I wanted to live. You're in, a Walker like, head. <laughs> cartoon gotham like cartoon gotham was so beautiful like the backgrounds and everything the mm -hmm. other thing i think i knew as a kid and you can definitely see it now this series wasn't like they didn't skimp on the animation i feel like i mean maybe there's some simpler shots but like there's some cheapy stuff on the um x-men cartoon there's some cheesy oh, yeah. stuff. Even uh, like some of the Netflix cartoons, there's some moments of very limited, hardly any animation. And... Yeah, I think the budgets were huge for, for this. And I think at the time for all the Warner Brothers stuff, because Spielberg was backing everything, they got his name to essentially get more money. Because I know that they had a full orchestra for every episode, which is wow. unheard yeah. of. Um, and yeah, a lot of the, you know, the, the budgets I think were much bigger than most stuff i imagine now right and the vibe i mean this this show has a vibe yeah a yeah. lot of cartoons don't have like very specific vibes they have like kind of accidental vibes but this is a very purposeful atmosphere and mood on the show um that gives it that feeling even yeah even if they're using like certain shots that are like maybe reused or cheaper it's still you got the vibe and y'all all you really need is the vibe 
Yeah, I mean, most later on they would like reuse explosions because I think that especially mm-hmm. is hard to animate uh, really well. And <laughs> for most of the original run of the animated series, they would reanimate like fire and explosions and stuff in a way that was like, in it's just like unheard of. Like there would be workarounds later. Where yeah, I I think you go to these wikis and they're like trivia like they use the explosion from the episode it's never too late in this part of the mr freeze episode you know mm-hmm. if there is anything but it's uh i think the it's pretty wild the one thing i think that uh mark against this episode it uses it has a different opening credit sequence when they renamed it to the was it the adventures of batman and robin is that the official name the new adventures of the batman new adventure. and robin yeah yeah i mean the original batman animated like opening credits is so good and this one it's a feels a little more slapdash well because it's just a, a montage it's a clip show montage i think this the song is really good oh yeah like i have like a nostalgia for it but yeah it's it's a bummer when the original opening is basically a perfect short that's mm-hmm. you know n- not just pulling clips and i think they do the best they can with this but yeah it's uh, just i wish they would have made a new one but I think that was the way they could refresh it. Like they, instead of getting canceled, they would just rebrand the name of the show, but get to keep making episodes. Yeah, that's good. I think, mm-hmm. And then like there were four. What's that? Oh, there were like four iterations of the show. Is that including the one with Nightwing and Batgirl? Yeah. So yeah. it was like Batman the Animated Series, New Adventures of Batman and Robin, the New Batman Adventures, and then it was the Batman Superman Adventures, where they would just do a Batman episode followed by a Superman episode, but they just had different theme songs pretty much. And right. you know, that, that middle, that middle ground with like Nightwing and all that stuff was a, a big overhaul design wise for sure, but it was still the same continuity. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that. Cause just cause I was a little older, I was a big Nightwing fan as a kid and I was like, Oh, this is something new. It's something a little different. Okay. But it still got a lot of the same spirit. Yeah, I think it introduced me to, like, these cartoons are really what got me into comics a little bit more. Like, I read them casually mm-hmm. as a kid, but I think, like, Justice League is why I got into, like, the larger DC comics, DCU, I guess. Like, I would check out stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll read, like, a run of JSA because I've seen these characters in a cartoon uh, first. So it did its job of synergistically <laughs> uh, yeah. making me interested in stuff beyond the cartoon. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with you there. I was a, I mean, I was a Marvel kid. I don't think I really got into DC stuff until I was like 12 or 13. But by that point, the comic shop bubble was bursting. So there was tons of like Giffen and Dematis justice league and uh nightfall night quest, uh, comics just in, quarter bins and dollar bins so like that was my dc education mark wade flash stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it's i was already reading comics but i wasn't reading marvel or dc and then x-men and this happened and then i started reading like marvel and dc yeah the batman animated series like comics are some of the best written batman comics of the 90s there's some amazing art um in a lot of the batman like kelly jones stuff in the 90s but in terms the writing isn't always quite there a little cookie cutter in some parts but the animated spin-off comics were were so great yeah i I love them i mean i i 
revisited a lot of them recently because I still those are like some of the only single issue comics I've kept. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're if you haven't read it, Dan Slott had a run of uh, a rebooted comic called Batman Adventures in like the early 2000s that was basically 17 issues a sequel to the animated series New Batman Adventures and like a a very cool like imagined you know additional season essentially that was like a interconnected like serialized like a comic might be and and more so in the vein of like you know those later Justice League episodes but uh, solo just solo Batman stuff. And it's, uh, it's great. Like they make this penguin, the mayor of Gotham, which is fun. And so he mm-hmm. becomes kind of like a Luthor like figure. So there's it, some really good stuff. It's crazy. Like the, the people who, um, would pass through the pages of those, but I mean, Paul Dini wrote a lot of them. Kelly Puckett oh, yeah. who worked on the show, I think. And then the Superman adventures comics had like early writing from Mark Miller. And then Scott McCloud, the guy who did Understanding Comics, so like some big names, just kind of on these like the the books that like I mean the X Men, the X Men Adventures that were the like m- comic book versions of the TV show were like nothing, like just they may as yeah. well have been made by like robots. <laughs> they were just nothing, but the DC, the Batman Adventures comics were so fun; they were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah check them out <laughs> they're all i mean i use hoopla for almost everything oh they're days. all there yeah uh, so if you want them for free do that or uh if not i'm sure you can buy them <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um yeah I, any i'm trying to think if there was anything else about this episode worth kind of going over i mean i feel like the cryogenics and like that kind of rumor about disney is like what's kind of cheekily at play here Yes. Yeah, so yeah, the rumor always was Walt Disney was frozen, uh, which is supposed not true. That's what people. It's not true unless that's a very big cover up. Walt Disney is buried, but other famous people are frozen, like Ted Will, baseball player Ted Williams was frozen, and it's very bizarre. There's articles about it. You can read it. They like take the head off the body, and freeze it. And all these places that freeze people are very shady. Uh, I forget. There's someone else who was frozen too. Larry King wants to be frozen, and I think maybe yeah, I think right? he may have plans already in place for that. Uh, of the age yeah, that you would still think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, they'd have to really prove to me the technology was there before. Yeah, I don't want my head being taken off afterwards. The story, the Ted Williams story. If you look up this article, it's like his head is just like hanging out, and people are like messing with it. Like, it's bizarre. It's just strange, strange, strange. Um, so, yeah. So, so him freezing himself and wanting to live forever is absolutely, obviously, what they were going for. Um, it's honestly, it seems it's Mr. F- <laughs> like, I, it feels like it could this whole episode could have been born out of a joke or something. Mm-hmm. Like Walt Disney in the Mr. Freeze suit. Like, it starts from there. And you go, well, that's funny. Let's make build that out. Yeah, it, it feels like they're just we're hanging out at lunch, <laughs> and that came up. Looks like the story is by Bruce Tim and Deanie, although Deanie scripted it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like mm. you know if the boss okay. likes it and helped come up with it. In the episode ends like I was thinking about it, like where does the episode end with? 
and it involves like a major tycoon is just disappears like he's just frozen in ice underwater um a giant brand new theme park city explodes just destroyed and i would think causes a giant refugee crisis of the inhabitants of oceana and then mr freeze and his suspended animation wife are just floating in Nora. a of ice oh, okay Nora. 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 Another line of his that I remember, I uh, used to quote as a kid, because I don't know about you, but when I played with my action figures, I would uh, basically just quote lines from the show intermixed with whatever I made up. And one of them was, take the boy and go. <laughs> Which is not an exciting line, but I, I like when I heard it again, I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that, that line's in my brain. <laughs> wow, yeah, take the boy, take the boy and go. Yeah, that's, I do, you know what, that one, that actual moment almost stuck out to me mo more than some of the other things in the episode from when I had seen it. Like when he free, he, so at the end of the episode, he freezes Robin, forcing Batman to abandon the idea that he would take Mr. Freeze with them and Mr. Freeze wouldn't go down with the ship. But for whatever reason, I really was like, oh yeah, I remember like having a visceral reaction as a youth to seeing Robin frozen. I guess it's what I was talking about before, seeing freezing happen and then it happened to Robin. And like Jason, I was quite fond of Robin as well. Yeah. So we also have the coolest funny. freeze freeze moment. Uh, that it's, I think they used it in one of the later opening credits, but it's him pointing mm -hmm. the gun at screen and it kind of spirals out. Yes, like yes, that's, that's an very iconic cool. Mr. Freeze shot. I also feel like Robin got froze, like oh, he yeah. got a freeze ray a lot. He got frozen in different media he was frozen on the 60s show for sure oh yeah i mean they probably both did but i think maybe i felt found it was traumatizing when robin because robin was our avatar of course when we were kids the idea that we would be hanging out with batman and beating up um super villains was uh, enticing so whenever he got frozen i was extra traumatized because i would imagine how cold that would be Yeah, but this was, I mean, another great thing about this show, so many of the villains are, like, endearing and, like, sometimes do the right thing, like, freeze in this episode. I was always, like, I always felt really bad for Clayface. Mm -hmm. Like, he was always just getting pulled apart yeah. or, like, something was out of his control. Um, but, yeah, they always, very complicated yeah, villains on Clayface this show. Clayface and Mr. Really freeze humanizing. were both standouts for me as a kid too and i think it was because they humanized them there was like a especially with freeze he was just a he he just wanted to have his wife back and he he ne it wasn't necessarily trying to hurt anybody but uh you know the, yeah the collateral damage be damned exactly uh yes. and you know if you like that follow it up with sub-zero which was a whole movie about it mm -hmm. yeah that's a good one I think it is, is that on the DC Universe so. too? Yeah. I can't remember that movie. I I remember it coming out. I didn't see it. We had a VHS, like a used copy from Blockbuster. That was my mom hated buying full price movies, and she was probably made the right call. Um, but we would often get the like used copies from Blockbuster when they were on sale. And that was a surprise. She came home one day with Mask of the Phantasm. What a And treat. I just probably watched yeah. that. We, get, yeah. Like, we saw that in the theater. Yeah. That, my mom still has a... My mom likes that movie a lot. She has a fondness for that movie. 
Oh, that's nice. She loves the romance. Yeah, it's a good love story. Yeah. She remembers yeah. that. So. But she doesn't like the love story of Nora. <laughs> I don't think she's that familiar with Nora. <laughs> I think she's unaware. Mike, will you call your mother after this mm. and explain the love story of Victor and Nora? I would for the bit. But... Okay. Now that's something. Or maybe now just talk mom, about the Bob we were, Newhart We were show. more fans of the Bob Newhart show and not Newhart, which is what Sanderson was on. Newhart was where he owned an inn. Okay. Bob Newhart show was he was a psychiatrist. An inn, in yes. In the city. With well, Suzanne this is how you Suzanne leave Pl- in. Suzanne Plachette was on the Bob Newhart show. Right. Tom Poston was on, and I can't think of the woman who played his wife on Newhart. <laughs> Tom, oh, Tom Poston married to Suzanne Plachette. Uh, when he died when he died first and then she died so so how about that listeners i mean these are all names that oh. are flying over my head at, like Suzanne Plachette, she was in the ugly dachshund <laughs> disney plus on disney plus <laughs> with dean jones uh suzanne Plachette, how about this i'll tie it back to batman okay Suzanne Plachette, according to adam west was the first choice to play catwoman on the 60s batman show and we're back and I'll tie it to Walt Disney. She was in a lot of those movies and she was like Walt Disney's favorite. He loved Suzanne Plachette. Ooh. Yeah. So how about that? Thank I mean, job, we've mate. come full circle from wow. where you tangented from. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, we, we pretty much did it in terms of the episode. Was there anything else that stood out to you guys? Uh, no, just, yeah, just that I, I was like, yeah, this would be a great movie. Like I, I want to dig in more. Um, and yeah, the freeze episodes just—he <laughs> is like the saddest. I just—I—I I, I wonder. I would love to see my reaction to this version of Freeze as a kid because I—it's just the. I yeah maybe Clayface is Clay Clayface is like maybe a sadder sack, but there's nothing sadder than Freeze. He just breaks well because my heart. Clayface is abusive. Like I think in his yeah. first two-parter it's kind of implied that he's in a relationship with the guy that's helping him out and uh he he throws stuff at him you know like he's 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 kind of scared and you know but like he seems like he's got anger problems whereas freeze is you know fucked over by a corporation yeah tried to you know and accidentally hurt his his wife uh in the process uh, although it wasn't his fault and so it's He's a sadder sack because it was he's a victim of circumstance, not necessarily himself. It is interesting with all bat with Batman himself and every every character is just like an outward expression of trauma. It's yeah. just which version of trauma and wh- which way yeah. does the character uh, uh, internalize and then what do they do with it? Anyway, that's that's deep. made even worse by like i always was always bummed out at mr freeze's jail cell always had all the ice always had the ice cube and then the one thing he has in it Mm -hmm. is the um ballerina like the music box snow globe thing even as a kid i knew like oh this is sad bummer (laughs) this is really sad at least they let him have a possession in there uh although it wasn't even arkham that is true. The constantly something... breaking music box. No, he was just in a in. in yeah, I didn't realize a that. maximum this, security this prison. It appeared was like, oh yeah, he's in Arkham Asylum or something. But no, no, yeah. they trust him more. Um, 
Yeah, they, they trust them. Uh, yeah, the only other thing is I had four other accessories here to quiz you on. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I've, let's do the quiz. And also, I wanted to ask you guys a question semi-related to theme parks. Um, sure. But, this could uh, be this is this is a speed round. Okay, give me give me the these three. That is a wad of money from the Killer Croc figure. That is a bullhorn from Commissioner Gordon. That I think is is that a pool cue from the Creeper? That's correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow. I don't know if I should be proud or humiliated. Uh, wow. Well, a little mixture of the two. Um, yes. So I wanted to ask you guys if, and I feel like you've talked about this kind of stuff on your podcast a little bit, but uh, I think imagining versions of attractions that would never exist. Um, if you could do a Batman, the animated series attraction when the show was at its height, you know, like where do you think it would be and, and what would your ideal version of it be? And what do you think like the actual version might be? Well, Six Flags obviously had the Batman license, and they weren't doing jack as far as major theming. I'm not saying those roller coasters aren't fun, and some of like they are, but there was no chance if this came out when this was happening that they would have built some elaborate dark ride. So I'm guessing the only place that would have done it is Disney, so it would probably go into Hollywood Studios. I feel like it would fit into the old-time maybe aesthetic visually because some of the buildings are very, like, classic Hollywood feeling I would I, so like I could see that happening when is Tower of Terror open Jason um is it, it 96 96 97 something like so, that yeah so instead of Tower of Terror I could see like Gotham rising on the end of that of the, of the street corner or this on the end of the street when you walk into that spot on Hollywood Studios which I'm blanking is it Sunset is that what what do they call that street that's so that's Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, that newer street is Sunset Boulevard. The main boulevard into the park is Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. So instead of the Tower of Terror, it says Wayne Enterprises. <laughs> oh, that's would, good. Which would be cool. And then I would think it would be, stop me anyone and add to this. Then it would have to be, in my mind, it has to be some sort of dark ride. And I would think it would be like, I don't know, do they have... When is the? I would think the the Kuka arm technology that they use on Harry Potter is the best. I, even though I am a, if you listen to our show, I'm a little bit put off by my legs dangling off of a ride. I still feel like maybe you want to kind of float through scenes of Batman. But I don't know. They may not have had that technology, so maybe we have to sort of just do a standard, a standard dark ride. I mean, I don't know why I'm putting limits on it. We can imagine whatever version of it you no, want. No, I like the I like this intellectual yeah. exercise of what it would have been. I like that. I like putting restrictions on it. Uh, I would I would want like I would say maybe you could do an Arkham breakout so you get everyone, you get all the bad guys cuz I think I think it'd be cool to do a Batman ride where each little set you get a different room with each villain. Uh, even though oh, yeah. I find in the movies I want less villains per movie, you, less villains usually makes a better movie. Um, it all depends, uh, though. It all depends, it all depends how depends. you do it. I guess. I guess what um, the Dark Knight. I guess has mob bosses and a little Two Face and a lot of Joker. 
but I think a ride with the animated series villains and you get you get them all in there, you get a moment with all like each one would be very cool. Yeah. I would love a and, and Mike covered this episode last time he was on the podcast, this trial episode where Batman's mm. put on trial in Arkham, but maybe combining your idea of like having this like Arkham breakout let's do like a Mr. Toad's wild ride styled dark ride. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't like screens. Uh, I know that there's some very good screen technology out there. Uh, but I'm, if we're going to do kind of like a cheaper version of it, why not have these kind of like 2d sort of cutouts in the style? And I could see like these sort of exaggerated, like judge Joker, you know, like yeah. in for like that hell scene at the end. Uh, I think those kind of like old dark ride tricks seem kind of fun for a, for a throwback feeling of the, the series. I would think Six Flags could have done something like that. Cause that's, that's a, on the cheaper end of things too. Yeah. And you'd be somewhat satisfied. <laughs> There's kind of a trend the last few years that I've noticed of like a lot of newer rides have, maybe one or two animatronics, but then there's a lot of statues, like hyper-detailed statues, Yep. which are usually a little far away from you, so you don't notice too much other statues. But if you do the right sound and lighting cues, there's the illusion of movement. And they're not my favorite, but I do like it better than a screen. And I think there's a couple instances where it's like very well done. Yeah, that I agree with that. There's also a version where it's like Indiana Jones, which came out around the same time. Ooh. Where it's like the bat Indiana Jones Temple's like the Bat Cave. And maybe there's a a siege on the Bat Cave from or all Ray the Shal villains. Ghoul or something. <laughs> Rachel yeah. Ghoul. Or it could be a Blazarus uh pit ride as well. So there's a lot of ver- I think it's yeah. I think that's maybe the big budget version, and yours is yours is the lower budget version, which both have both could be cool. Um, I like the intimacy of the, the tomorrow the the Tomorrowland the uh, Fantasyland dark rides. There is something yeah. fun about that. Um, how tiny those are, um, and they wouldn't probably build things that tiny at this point, but back then they would. Yeah. And I feel like with indie or any of them, they always have fun little ways of achieving effects. Like I'd love a little Mr. Freeze, like blast of cold or something or whatever they do on Indiana Jones. There's the Tokyo version of Indiana Jones has a really great fake fire effect. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's similar to the effect they added to big thunder a couple of years ago at Disneyland with, with that, that explosion shoots out as you were about to go on the th- or drop or lift hill, I guess what you call it. Yeah. Um, so Yeah. I, as far as Batman rides, like now, I mean, now due, due to the pandemic, I don't know, I don't know when we're going to get our Avengers ride out here, which I look, I understand there are bigger problems. I'm just in this narrow version. It's this like narrow discussion of what we're actually yeah, talking about. Um, but the Avengers ride, which is already going to be forever, I feel like three plus years away. Who knows? It could be canceled. Who knows? So that was at least like, I think that was going to maybe finally fulfill the promise and Spider-Man is fulfills the promise for sure, but a full like Marvel character thing. I don't know when the Batman version of any of that's going to happen. Cause he's still tied up at six flags. 
Well, they have like a Dubai ride. Like I know that there's like a bat wing ride and it, it seems like a screen based. It's thing. a screen based from the, there's not a ton of video of it. I mean, it seems okay. It seems like there's elements of the queue and the Gotham city exterior that are good, but still it's not what we're thinking of. I know exactly what we're thinking of and I don't know when we're going to get that. Um, did I send you, I, th I don't think I did. There's a, there's a video from the eighties uh, and they were going to change Tomorrowland to Lucasport. And they were going to build an old school roller coaster practical Star Wars ride. And that's the perfect, that's like what you would imagine back then that would have been. It's Dagobah, it's going by the Death Star, it's seeing the animatronics. Uh, and that's in a similar way to what we're asking now where it's like, oh yeah, that's that old version of what it would be. And yeah, the Dubai one is like screens and I'm sure it's fine, but we want that old version. And I just don't know when or if we'll ever get it. Yeah, I, I think that kind of stuff seems either more expensive or like less quote unquote cool. But I think so much of the screen stuff just doesn't age well. Like I, I think all the practical stuff and maybe I'm just like, you know, a nostalgic uh, person rooted in what I liked when I was a kid. Mm. <laughs> But I, I feel like practical for me aesthetically will always hold up as more interesting as it ages. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. Oh, yeah. De yeah, for sure. I mean, I always prefer the robots to the screens. Obviously, like Spider-Man the ride is amazing. And uh, I Guardians of the Galaxy, this, the screen looks great. I know it's a screen, but that's one of my favorite rides still. So it all depends. But you want Judge Joker, at the very least, a flat with an arm that moves. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You at least want that, just like the judge in Mr. Toad uh, damning you to hell. Yeah, that's yeah. probably exactly where it came from. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. Well, thanks for indulging me on this. Uh, and thanks for doing the show, dudes. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Where can people find you? Uh, anything you want to promote? Uh, just at Podcast the Ride on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we personally, I'm at Fat Carlson, P H A T C A R L S O N, and Twitter. Uh, I think that's it. I don't know. There's nothing big right now. Yeah, Jason. I'm at Jason Sheridan, and um, yeah. Cool. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thanks for being part of this fundraiser. Thanks. Thank you. And that was Mike Carlson and Jason Sheridan. Follow Mike at P H A T Carlson, Fat Carlson, and Jason at Jason Sheridan. And listen to their podcast, Podcast the Ride, if you, like me, can talk about theme parks as long as you can talk about the DC Animated Universe. And if you like the show, rate and subscribe on Apple and follow us at BTAS Podcast and me at Hey Justin. Lastly, please donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center or Black Lives Matter or any and all of the organizations in the fundraiser right now over at BTASpodcast.com slash donate. If you don't want to choose one, you can choose to evenly split it between all eight organizations. A lot of people have done that so far, and that's also helpful. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of the podcast. Thank you again to Mike and Jason. It was a real treat to chat bat. Now, lastly, uh, it feels maybe a little uncouth, but I wanted to play a message for you from This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who I guess after last episode is still mad at me. Anyway, here you go. This is my dream, my vision. I cheated death to make it real, and you won't stop me. Look, Tori, I hear you. 
And uh, honestly, I also hear that you're wearing what sounds like a full-on bubble helmet. You know, I, I think a mask is going to suffice in this pandemic, especially if you're, you know, just doing this as a private phone call. Uh, but, you know, you do you. All right, that's the show. Keep donating. Keep spreading the word. BTASpodcast.com slash donate. All right, till tomorrow. Bye. Bye.